I think everybody's, you know, just thinking about Israel all the time. So I said to the girl who works behind the desk over there at the spin class, I was like, oh, I'm going to be away for two weeks. I'm traveling. And she said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to Israel. And she goes, oh, fun. (laughs) And I'm like, I literally looked around. I was like, what? And she's like, that's so nice. I'm like, do you know that Israel is in a war? And she's like, oh, well, be safe. And like, that was the conversation. Welcome to the Unspeakable Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dom. The podcast officially resumes next week, but I'm dipping in here with a special episode. It's a visit from someone who's a regular guest around here, Hylea Suffren. Hylea has the wonderful and informative Ask a Jew podcast, and she's usually here with her co-host, Yael Bartor. But I wanted to share this conversation about her recent trip to Israel, where she went with her family during Hanukkah. Chailea, as you may know, is an Orthodox Jew. She is the director of the Hillel at Cal State Long Beach in California, Hillel being an international Jewish campus organization, the largest in the world. On her podcast with Yael, Chailea talks a lot about what it's like to be part of an Orthodox community. She is Hasidic. Yael is a secular Israeli, by the way. And while Hylea definitely has a very specific point of view about Zionism and Judaism, she's um, an incredibly thoughtful and curious person. And uh, her reflections about this trip, I just thought were really interesting and valuable. So we talk here about what life is like these days for Israelis, what we know and don't know about the hostages that remain in captivity. She talks about what it's like to be Jewish, not just Jewish, but very obviously Jewish in America right now, including in Kansas, where she recently went with her family. I want to be clear that this is not being presented as a political discussion. Obviously, politics come into play, but mostly we just talk about what things are like in Israel right now for everyday citizens. Needless to say, life in Gaza is a different story. That would be a valuable conversation as well. And in the coming weeks, I will be covering that perspective more as much uh, as I can anyway. But for now, this is what it is. I will also say that we recorded this on December 21st. And the following week, the New York Times did publish a story detailing some of what we know about the conditions the hostages were held in, as well as specifics about the uh, attacks on October 7th. This conversation is, is not that graphic. But again, we do get into some things that were new to me as of the recording. So um, I think you'll find it interesting. And because it's Chaylea, we we laugh a lot, even when we're not supposed to. Finally, this uh, is a premium episode. If you are a paying subscriber, you will hear the entire thing, which is just under an hour. If you are a non-paying subscriber, you will get the first 15 minutes. If you want to hear the rest, go to megandom.substack.com and join for just $7 a month. I've got a new essay up as well. So here's my conversation with Hylea Safran. Hi, Leah. Welcome back to The Unspeakable. Thank you so much for having me. You are here without your co-host. I know. This is the Ike and Tina Turner moment. I've dumped her. (laughs) I'm done with her. Who's who? Which is, are you Ike or Tina? Who was the abusive one, him? Ike. That's for sure, (laughs) Yell. 
whatever she wants, I, I, it's, I give in to everything. That's so. kind of how Sarah is for me <laughs> on the other, on a special place in hell. That's why we have to do our own thing. I know. I think each of us need another podcast. That's definitely what we both need for ourselves. I know. Well, I wanted to have you back uh, for just a little special episode here because I know you just got back from Israel. And I know I was really interested and I think people are in general interested to hear about just what it's like there. Um, what's happening? Because obviously we're just getting, we don't even know what we're seeing half the time. So yeah, why don't you just uh, tell us first of all, I know you went there with your family. Uh, Why did you go? What gave you the idea to go (laughs) to Israel? So, I mean, anybody who knows me or listens to my podcast knows that I love Israel. I was there four times last year, in the past year, but all of those times were for professional reasons. And I haven't been with my kids in many years. And my kids have been for like camps and trips and every, we've all been, right? My husband's been, but we have not been together in many, many years. So we actually planned this trip in the summer. We thought, oh, it'll be great. We'll go for Hanukkah. It'll be really nice. I have two sons who are away, who live away from us. So we figured, oh, it'll be great for all of us to get together because I don't see them during the year. Anyway, long story short, we all know what happened October 7th. And initially we were like, well, is it okay to go? Is it not okay to go? And I just decided right away, like, we're going. I don't care. They need us. We, I need to be there. I've, the, from October 8th, I wanted to go. And I just really believed, you know, we would be okay and safe. And I just, that was it. And we went. So. so what is it like on the ground? I mean, what did you start to see when you got off the plane and yeah. went I mean, into yeah, the cities? It's noticeable the second you walk off the plane. Ben-Gurion Airport is usually insane, especially around this time of year. December, you know, I was there exactly a year ago. I was there last Hanukkah with 40 students. Um, It was packed. And the airport this time was empty. Just El Al is flying. There are no other airlines flying right now. Oh. Um, Yeah, so... Uh, it's it's just really quiet. I mean, passport control, everything is just empty, weird, eerie. And then once you start driving, like physically, I could see just a tremendous amount of like Israeli flags everywhere and, you know, signs that say things like, together we will be victorious. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that kind of stuff that you don't usually see around. Obviously, every building, every billboard is about the hostages. And guess what? No one tears it down. So it's really nice they stay up. And you just sense, I mean, the whole country's mood is a wartime mood, you know, and um, it's very different. There just aren't, there aren't tourists. Um, Usually, if you've been to Israel, you know, like, there's buses everywhere filled with groups of Christian pilgrims and Jewish youth groups and, you know, birthrights. And like, it's a country that is filled with tourists and it's just empty. So it was weird. When you say a wartime mood, what does that mean? A seriousness. Everybody's traumatized in Israel. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if people who, I I, I don't know how to say this delicately because it's going to sound kind of obnoxious, but like, I don't know if non-Jews can really understand how traumatized Jews are, and especially Israelis, over October 7th. And it's something that's, it gets worse every day. It's not like it happened and now everybody's recovering. It's actually getting worse. Every day is another day that the hostages aren't released. Every day is another day that soldiers are dying in Gaza and it's like announced, you know, in the 
evening or in the morning, which soldiers were killed the day before. There's been tragedy after tragedy. I mean, while I was in Israel, the three hostages were killed by accident by the IDF. I mean, this is stuff that like, it tears everybody apart in Israel and you just feel it, you know, and it's, um, you know, Jews are resilient in general and it was Hanukkah. And so you can see that people were definitely trying to celebrate, but it was, it was different. It was, and it was, there's a definitely like a dark kind of feeling over everybody. I understand you went to visit the site of the Nova music festival. Yeah. So while we were there for a very short time, we were only there for like six days and we didn't really do much. We really stayed in Jerusalem the whole time. It's not like a, like I said, it's not a time to start gallivanting and doing trips, you know, like, and, and besides my kids have seen most things. So it was fine. We were in Jerusalem, but one day we decided to go down. We wanted to, um, just do our part, you know, whatever bear, I hate this phrase, but like bear witness Mm -hmm. and kind of do our part. So, um, we have friends who are super brave people and they organized a day for us. Um, we didn't know what to expect, honestly, because I mean, it's an active war zone. It's not like a museum or memorial, like it's an active war zone and we didn't know, but I was like, we're doing it. So, and of course I have four sons, they were thrilled and couldn't wait to like go down close and see what's up. So we had, I mean, by the way, interrupt me if I get too long and boring, because I'm just going to keep talking. No, no, <laughs> so please. Stop me. But um, the first place that we stopped uh, when we got, so by the way, Jerusalem to like, you know, the Gaza envelope, as they call it, is like, you know, maybe an hour drive or for, you know, 50 minute drive. So the first place we went to was the place where they've moved all the cars. I don't know if you saw those pictures of like at the um, festival, there were just hundreds of cars that were like burnt and shot up. So they moved all of those cars into another location. Um, So we stopped there and it's kind of like blocked off, but you can see it. Um, and there was like a, so, you know, a soldier there, whatever, there were a, a bunch of soldiers I mean, there's there soldiers everywhere and police and everything. So we were talking to them and when they heard, you know, what I do, you know, the fact that I'm a Hillel director at a university here, the, the head of the army base over there decided that he wanted to give me a tour of this kind of car graveyard. So I went with him and it was really something, I mean just looking at these cars like burnt to a crisp people died in them there were cars that weren't burnt that were just riddled with bullet holes you see like you see some of the cars that came in from Gaza the worst thing i saw was um an ambulance he took me around like to a side part i mean it, it's a war crime like it was an ambulance there were a bunch of girls hiding in the ambulance and the terrorists found them shot them all burnt the ambulance. The ambulance, you know, fell over on its side. And they thought, actually, that some of those girls had been kidnapped. But when they picked up the ambulance a couple days later, they found their bodies underneath. And it was just extremely eerie and sad. I mean, it's, it's, and it still smells like burnt, like it's, you can still smell it, you know, the whole area. So that was like the first stop. And then we went to the Nova Festival location in Rayim. And again, I mean, we heard, you know, 270 people were murdered there. Tons of people were kidnapped from there. Um, And it's when you're standing there, it's just I couldn't help but like be a little shaky, crying, um, watching my kids. You know, they have like all these um, 
posters, but like life size of all the people who were killed there. They have it set up so you can like walk amongst it and see the faces. Oh, wow. I mean, and you could imagine who's at a music festival, like young, yeah. beautiful, like fun looking, you know, people. And they were just mowed down, you know, slaughtered over there. So I'm, I'm sure that area is going to be a memorial forever. Israel will yeah. build some kind of memorial there. Yeah, it was actually while I was there, it was really interesting. It happened to be that the chief rabbi of Israel showed up. I mean, and there were we were the only people there, my little group. And then he pulled up um, with obviously a whole entourage. So I had a few minutes to talk to him, which was pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, it was just, it's it was really my kids. I, I could see on their faces that they were struggling. And then, you know, while that's happening, by the way, I'm not even like, I didn't even mention this. It's constant loud booms, like explosions, um, which every time you shake, like the kind, they're so loud, your body like shakes, you know, um, the ground shakes and those, I like, I kept getting nervous, but the soldiers that were with us were like, don't worry, that's us shooting, not being shot uh at. So I was like, okay. I mean, I feel bad to say that, but it did make me feel a little better. Is Gaza firing rockets and Iron Dome is stopping them? Is that what's happening? That's happening. Yes. Every day. Yeah, they shoot lots of rockets at civilian centers. Friday night, we were... So Jerusalem is generally out of their... They don't usually shoot rockets at Jerusalem, mainly because of the Temple Mount, and Jerusalem is, you know, many Arabs live there, Muslims. But Friday night, after I lit candles for Shabbat, we walked from our apartment to the Old City to go to the Western Wall. And as we were walking, right, we got to the walls of the Old City, and the siren started. And I was with all my kids and I was like, I started freaking out and we didn't know what to do because there were no shelters around. So we started running towards the Jaffa Gate, you know, to hide in the Jaffa Gate. And that's where like people were running to. And like, as we're walking and kind of running slowly, the rockets are right over our head and we're watching them fly over. And then we're watching the Iron Dome blow them up in the sky. And there were like three or four rocket rockets. I was... <laughs> have so you ever scary. seen anything like that before? I have never been in a rocket like that. Not okay. like that. And w- what does a rocket look like? And what does it look like when the Iron Dome intercepts it? It looks like a firework, kind of. And you see like an explosion in the sky. And it's high enough that like you can't, I mean, it's hard to tell how big it is really. But it's low enough that you you feel like it's going to fall on your head. You know what I mean? So it it intercepts it, it explodes it. And then there's like smoke and shrapnel kind of falling. So you're not, you're supposed to stay in your, wherever you are hiding or covering your head for like five minutes um, because it has to like fall down. But I mean, that was like, it took me a couple of hours to calm down. Yeah, I can imagine. And my kids obviously thought it was like the coolest thing that they've ever seen, you know, (laughs) seeing the Iron Dome in action. I'm like, okay, we saw it once. We never have to see that again. Yeah, that's that's kind of a one-time thing. Yeah. Hopefully. So, I mean, the Iron Dome, I know you're not a, like a defense technology expert, but it's like, I think it's something that people, like they had this kind of theoretical concept of, like there was, there's just kind of like a Star Wars uh, feeling to it up until recently. But like, how, is it just... Like what is actually happening? Like it's not like it's not like it's manned. It's not like some person is intercepting. It's it's like 
senses these things coming, right? No, that, no. Like, people are actually set, are are people are man, manning it for sure. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it's they're not like they're set satellite. up all over the country. Okay. And there are these like wooden. I mean, I took my students to like see them up close, so I kind of got an idea. But they're interceptors, and so basically, what happens is when the rockets are coming in. People have to decide. I'm sure they use technology to help them make this decision, but they basically can tell where that rocket's going to land. So if it's going to land, and the, and the, I mean, thank goodness the Palestinians don't, Hamas doesn't have like great technology. So like they just shoot them. So if it's going to land in a field, Israel lets it land mm. because they're not going to waste their, you know, Iron Dome stuff on it. But if it's going to land anywhere where there are people or in the city or whatever, they try. And I think, I don't know what the rate is, but it's upwards of like 97% of the time they're accurate. And it's and thanks they are the shooting States. something else to hit it and yeah. then sort of yeah. dis. It, it. it disarms it, yeah, blows it up. So they have, okay, sorry, this is like so basic, <sighs> but like, are they just aiming really well? Like what, it, what are they firing back? It's a laser, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I wish I knew. I think it's, it's Jewish space lasers. <laughs> Jewish space lasers. Wow, sorry, I feel I stupid. Could, I could not resist, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wish I knew the technology better, but somehow they have some kind of technology that the United States helps Israel with that, blo- you know, blow- stops the rockets from coming in. I mean, it's a miracle. Wow, and it's, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, and by the way, I want to say, like, I am, I, I'm very aware that, like, I'm talking about this, and I, understand, I bet there are people who are thinking, like, don't you care about all the, you know, bombings in Gaza? Of course we do. And it would be nice if Hamas, who were, get, you know, was given billions of dollars, they could build the same thing for their people if they wanted, but they instead choose to build, you know, tunnels and, and yeah, well, they could build a lot, of, a lot of things. Yeah, they yeah, could build bomb shelters, right? So, just wanted to say that I'm not yeah. like insensitive to like the suffering on the other side, but I can only tell my side of the story right now. Yeah, well, no, and I, like like I said, this is not this does not need to be a political discussion. I just think people right. are really interested in like yeah, what is exactly. what is happening in in Israel. So, I mean, one yeah. thing I wonder about is. Like, what do we know about the hostages? I'm assuming you had some kind of interaction with family. I mean, everybody's yeah. a family. I'm sure everybody yeah. there knows somebody who obviously was killed and or taken hostage. Like, yeah. is there a sense that there are negotiations going on? Like, what is the status of things? It's very hard to tell. The government has been very closed-mouthed about all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, the families of the hostages are getting that was a taste of my conversation with Hylea Suffren. If you would like to hear the rest, and you should want to, it's really good. Go to megandom.substack.com and join for just $7 a month. In the meantime, I will tell you that Hylea is the executive director of the Long Beach Hillel. Her podcast with Yael Bartor is Ask a Jew. Yael, by the way, has also been in Israel lately. She was actually there on October 7th. And if you follow her on Twitter, you know she's been doing some really cool stuff there. A lot to bring people's attention to just specific people in Israel and in uh, Gaza as well, I believe. So you should go uh, follow her there and listen to their pod. So Yael on Twitter is at YaelBT. That's Y-A-E-L. BT. You can also find Hylea on Twitter. 
and Ask a Jew podcast for sure you should know about. And if you're a regular listener to this podcast at all, you do know about it. In the meantime, I will be back next week for the official start of the 2024 season. So happy new year. Thank you for listening and see you then. Thank you.